Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Deary. This September, we celebrate the fifth anniversary of Abundant Life Worship Center, and today we have a message by Pastor Ron Nelson, our guest pastor from Progressive Faith Ministries International, located in Sacramento, California. Pastor Nelson preaches a powerful message for us titled, A Season in Time. So listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the broadcast. that God has said all that he's going to say. You have to settle that in your heart, for some people believe that God is no longer speaking, that because we had an end to the 66 books, that God stopped speaking to man. And then you find that those that go off to seminary and go off to Bible college, they their minds start and stop with their professor's lectures. Can I tell you the truth? And when you begin to get into some rhema, amen, it's very hard for them to receive because they've shut off God speaking to them. And if Spurgeon didn't say it, come on now. If some of the greats didn't say it, it hasn't been said. Well, y'all going to have a problem with me if that's where you are. Amen. Turn with me today, and I thank God for your theme. I'm going to be around and in your theme, but I'm going to do what God tells me to do. I believe God wants to take you higher. Abundant life, you are only at the beginning. It's ironic that you would have uh, me here today on the fifth year. Five is the number of the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that enlightens us, the Holy Spirit that illuminates us. It's only by the Holy Spirit that we're all here today. Amen. Can I take my time? Ecclesiastes chapter Number one, and we're going to read verses four, verses nine, and verse 10. Ecclesiastes, amen, hallelujah, amen. If you can stand, please stand. We stand out of reverence for God's word, amen. This will be the last time I ask you to stand, amen. You'll find this in your reading. One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh. But the earth abideth forever. Verse number nine. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there's no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new. It hath been already of old times, which was before us. I want to speak to you just for a few moments about a season in time. Amen. About a season in time. You may be seated. 
a season, a season in time. As always, we, we solicit uh, your prayers. Amen. A season in time. Amen. Many of you are familiar uh, with the book of Ecclesiastes. Amen. Many of you have read it from uh, front to back and back to front, and we understand that the book of Ecclesiastes was written by David's son, Solomon, and that Solomon, in all of his wisdom, sought about to find the true pleasures and the plethorias of life. And as we read the book of Ecclesiastes without uh, looking deeply into what it is that Solomon is expressing, it can be very easy for us to take on the surface that the book of Ecclesiastes is just about the vanity of man's efforts for happiness and for peace and for joy. But I believe that God never writes anything that only deals with surface matters. And being that today is your fifth year anniversary, it's no better or no perfect time for us to deal with the workings of the Holy Spirit in the lives of man. You see, it's very ironic that when you look at the book of Ecclesiastes, and you look at the life of Solomon, that we could look deeper into the words in which he spoke, amen, and take literally the direction in which he had attempted to guide us. Before we can uh, go any deeper into Solomon, we must first come to a conclusion from the position of the original intent of God for man. God had an original intent for, until you understand God's original intent for you, you will improperly go about living out your lives. Amen. God's original intent for man, and, and Paul uh, tried to help us uh, in this when he, when he penned in 1 Corinthians, and I don't know if you want to go there with me, but 1 Corinthians Chapter 13 and, and verse 12, and remember that Paul is speaking to a group of people that the Judaizers had set in and began to distort the message that he had. They were immoral and they had different issues that were going on. And because of their condition, amen, Paul uh, wrote in chapter 13 and verse 12, and I believe that is applicable for us today. It says, for now, we see through a glass darkly. Amen. But listen what he says. But then, face to face. Now I know in part. But then shall I know even as I am known. Now, quite easily, we can uh, deduce that this is a statement uh, and a prophetic uh, proclamation of the time in which we reach heaven. 
But I'm here to tell you that beneath all that is said here, Paul is letting us know that there's two states to the saints of God. The first state of the saint of God is that of salvation. And praise God for salvation. You know, if we look at the Bible and, 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 and God told Moses to build a temple in the wilderness, he built it in three stages. He built the outer court, the inner court, and then the holy of holies. They were never supposed to stay partying in the outer court. The outer court was a place of salvation. The outer court was a place where the blood was spilled. The outer court was a place of redemption. But there were two other stations that God had intended that his people would one day reach. Amen. And, 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 and right here, Paul is trying to tell us and he's suggesting to us that you've been in the outer court too long. You saved. You're going to make it into heaven, but you will never experience the benefits and the promises that the Bible says because you have never entered into the holy place. It's only until you enter to the holy place that the Holy Spirit can then begin to do a work in you and then could bring forth the purpose in your life. I want to suggest to you and everyone that's in here today that you're not here because you got a good-looking pastor and a good-looking uh, first lady. Amen. You're here because God has assigned you to be here. And within your presence here, there is purpose in each and every one of you. There is gifting. There's anointing. There's power, but you can't get to it until you first understand God's original intent for your life. God's plan for man is that he would spend, listen to this, eternity with God in the garden. God had never intended that man and his fellowship with man would end. God made the earth and he formed the earth and he gave man responsibility, but he did not make the garden, he planted the garden. And he did not make the garden out of anything that he made in the earth. He pulled the garden from which he had already resided. So he made himself, amen, a place where he himself would be able to be legal and operate in the earth. Oh, my goodness. In, in chapter 1 in, in Genesis uh, verse 26, the Bible says that God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So God looked at himself, spoke to himself, and made himself into a spirit being that was called man. You have to come to the conclusion and the understanding that first you are a spirit being. Look at your neighbor and say, I can see what you look like on the outside, but you're a spirit being. In God's original intent, man was supposed to spend eternity with God in the garden. Man would then rule the earth and cohabitate the earth from the garden. He would be able to go to and fro from the garden, which was spiritual, into the earth, which was natural. Because man was a dual citizen of two realms. You've got to come to a conclusion that when you accept Jesus, you have returned to dual citizenship. You are a dual citizen of two realms. But we operate as if we're confined to this realm. 
negating all that the Bible says that the word has for us right now. We read the Bible as if all the promises are in the hereafter. But I'm here to tell you that's that's a lie from the pit of hell. God has equipped and made things uh, accessible to you right here and right now. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a dual citizen. That's why can't nobody hang around me with doubt. You can't tell me what God won't do. You can't tell I walk in I walk in the faith of the Holy Spirit. If God say it, God's gonna bring it to pass. So you need to get rid of them doubters and all them folk and and, and, and you can tell, hallelujah, what somebody really is. All you gotta do is listen to them talk for a few moments. You can tell all that man, how you know I'm just making it. Oh, how can a saint of God just make it? Paul said this I was content. And whatsoever condition that I found myself, don't you think for one moment there wasn't rainy days and there wasn't stormy nights in the apostles' lives. But they had an understanding that they walked by might and not by power that God was always with them. Hallelujah. Man's fall would set in motion a plan for redemption. The redemption of man. And so it's because of this fall that God had set a plan in place that the original intent of man would come to pass. Y'all hang on here. I'm taking you somewhere. Adam and Eve was then abolished from the garden. They had two sons, Cain and Abel. The older son came, which was the tiller of the land. The younger son, listen to this, was the tender of the sheep. The, the older son killed the younger son. Cain killed Abel and God, hallelujah, gave mercy to Cain. And he had to restore the bloodline that he was setting in place whereby uh, the original intent of man would be able to happen. So the Bible says that Seth came along and it was through Seth that man began to praise God. Y'all reading y'all Bible in chapter 4 of Genesis? It was through Seth that man began to praise God. Good God Almighty. Genesis chapter 6 strolled in our lives. Amen. Can I tell a story? Genesis chapter 6 strolled in our lives. And listen to this. The Bible says that the sons of God began to look upon the daughters of men. And they found them to be so fair that they left their holy estate and took them, the daughters of men, and made wives of them. Now, the Bible does not clearly tell us how that happened, but we know what happened when that happened. There was a cataclysmic uh, shaking of the morality of man because it was after this point, amen, that all of the sexual perverseness that now we see happened in all the land. The Bible says that man began to do all the wicked imaginations of his mind and in his heart. And it was because of that that God, it repented God that he had made man. So the Bible says that God killed all flesh. Amen. But can I ask you a question? What happened to all them demon spirits? Ah, I'm going somewhere. Y'all better hold on. Amen. All flesh died. 
But them demon spirits that cohabitated in man, remember, a spirit is illegal without a body. The devil could not have ever came in if the serpent would not have said yes. Hallelujah, you hear me? God made man first, but then he formed him a body. And when he breathed in him, amen, he set in motion the principle that a spirit is illegal without a host body. And so God himself would one day make him so. Y'all, I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, my goodness. Amen. So here it is that, that the angels came down and had children. You know who they were, the Nephilims and the Rephilims and all of those that the Bible just speaks of as the giants. Amen. And we find the skeletons of them all over the world now. But here we have that all flesh die. But these spirits were loosed in the earth. Tell your neighbor they were loosed in the earth. Oh, all kinds of stuff, man. Oh, man. And so the Bible says here, and I want you to notice here that Solomon, and I need for you to see this, and I hope you got your Bibles open. Solomon, in chapter 1, in verse 1, makes a statement that seems that it was out of place. He makes a, a statement that in the natural was uh, impossible because it was in the wrong dispensation that the statement was made. The Bible says, now we know that, uh, Solomon, that Solomon was David's son. We know that it was Bathsheba's child. We know that he was the king of all Israel, the king of Jerusalem. But he did not introduce himself in that manner. It says, the words of the preacher. Uh, the preacher, at this time in the dispensation of man, there was no position called preacher. There was positions called prophets. They were the oracles of God that spoke but Solomon is speaking from a completely different position. He says, these are the words of the preacher. Amen. And he says these words. He says, it's all vanity. Everything is vanity. And we look to the dispensation where the word preacher is used. The Bible says in Romans 10 and 14, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? I want to suggest to you that Solomon based on what he's about to say, has had some type of spiritual imposition with the Holy Ghost, which has allowed him, just like with us, to transition from one natural plane to another. You know, let's just see what the Word of God, that's why I actually do you believe the Word of God. Let's see what the Word of God says. He goes on to say these words. Now notice here that we're dealing with the natural 
and the supernatural all in the same time. He goes right back to the natural and he says these words. He says, what profit a man of all the labors which he hath undertaken under the sun? He was just telling us from a prophetic position, hallelujah, from a, a dispensational position that he was a preacher. And we know that the word preacher and the words that come from a preacher come from God. And that they can't preach unless they're sent. And reading the Bible. So now he goes back. Look at here. I want you to understand this thing. That there's no profit in this world. There's no profit in your labors. There's no profit in the things that, that, that you build up and you value in this world outside of God. Verse Four says, uh, I'm going to get into it now. That was warm up. He says, our generation, one generation passeth away and another generation cometh. But the earth abideth forever. I can only go by what it says. One generation cometh and another passeth away. One passeth away. One cometh. We're talking about a season in time. Each and every one of us were born exactly when God intended us to be born. It does not matter how you got here. You are here at the exact time that you're supposed to be here. And not only are you here the exact time that you're supposed to be here, you're equipped with everything that you need to make you successful in this time. When God birthed you in Genesis 1 and 26, that's your real birthday. When he birthed you, everything that you would need in this era was already in you. When you found your way into the womb of your mother and you came forth through the birth canal, you already had everything that you ever would need to bring forth the promise and the purposes of God. We pray to God from an outer position to bring forth things that come from the inner position. You're praying for things that God would bring and God saying, Jesus sitting there, just sitting there tapping his foot. Uh, we already done that. We did that, son. You need to get with this and call forth those things that, call them things that be not as though they were. You need to start speaking. Speaking and talking to yourself. I walk around telling myself all day, I'm a blessed man. And it's not based on my house or my car or the clothes or nothing I got. I'm a blessed man because God said so. You need to repeat what God says and what the word of God says about your life. One generation passes and another generation come. But the earth is still here. Do anybody daydream like the pastor? What it was like in Samson's day, Samson came and gone. David came and gone. Hallelujah. Jeremiah came and gone. Esther came and gone. 
But them same demon spirits, they still here. The same ones. Hallelujah. They're still here. And they're looking for somebody else to fulfill the lust and the desires and the illicit purposes that they began in Genesis chapter 6. Mm. Oh, my God. I guess I got to go on. I got to go on. Huh? Look at verse number verse number 14. It says, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun. And behold, listen to what he's saying here. All is vanity and vexation of what? Of what? Vexation of spirit. Solomon, how are you talking about spiritual issues in the dispensation of the law? Except you acknowledge yourself as being non-dispensational because you called yourself a preacher. And I didn't say it once. He said it more than once. Solomon has a revelation of the second dispensation and the advent of Christ and the, uh, and the inner workings of the Holy Spirit because he says here that he's seen everything under the sun. Not just what was in his time, but everything that was made, everything that was going to happen. And he shares with us that because of this, it's vexation of the Spirit. In other words, it's troubling not to my flesh, but it's troubling to my purpose. It's troubling to my potential, and it's troubling to my power. Can we read that again? I have seen what? All the works that are done under the sun in my generation. No, it don't say that. It don't say that. It says, and behold... All, somebody say all. all. All is vexation of spirit. It troubles the spirit of man because we encompassed and, and we're, we're, we're troubled by all the, the things that we count as being valuable because this world has pounded on us the things that are value. And none of it has to do with the things of God. Abundant life. I came here. I'm an elevation preacher. I came here because I love you. But I came here because you got a call on your life. You're not called to be a church. That's why you got these children from Uganda in here. You're called to be ambassadors of the Lord. There's power sitting in these seats. You're not just praising worship singers. You're not just pew warmers. You're not just, you just don't hold positions in the church. Release the gifting that God has in you. Stir up the gifts that's within you. Allow what God, God is using you, young man. God is using you to touch this world. Stir them gifts are from a child that was orphaned at four years old. He heard the call of God in his life. Who would have thought that child crying for his mother and father would now be traveling the globe with a bunch of children 
that were in similar situations. Oh, come on, y'all. You can't tell me that there ain't no God. You can't tell me that the Holy Spirit ain't at work in here. Says he's seen everything. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 9. Can y'all handle this? I, I got to give you word because I can't give you nothing else. Listen to what he says. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. Oh, my God. Oh, that sounds like we don't have a progressive God. No, we have a progressive God, but we have to remember his original intent. What was God's original intent? Spending eternity with man. That was the original intent. And everything going on in between these pages is about us getting back to the original intent. God took a piece of heaven and made it a garden and said, you're going to stay there. Now he took the garden, placed it back and said, you're going to get the sum total of it all now. I'm going to bring you up to where I live. I'm not coming down now and make a place for you to live. I'm taking you where I live. You're going to return to the original intent, which is fellowship with me for eternity. Can I, can, I, can, I, can I tell you about time? Oh, my. oh my goodness. We look at the book of Genesis and we see the first three days and we assume that these are numerical time dates as according to what we understand time to be. But I want you to understand something. God does not have the same mathematical equations that we use. Because the Bible clearly says that, that time was not made until the fourth day. Am I the only one reading it? Look at verse 14. Genesis 1 and 14. Time was made on the fourth day. We don't know how long the first three days were. Amen. But all we know is it was good. So time was made. So God did this. He's sitting in eternity, and he takes with one hand, and he puts a barrier on this side. And he takes with the other hand, and he puts a barrier on that side. And in the middle of it is called time. And he occupies every bit of the space that's in time. And this is what bothers me about church sayings. They say, oh, God moved in church today. Oh, my goodness. You need to shake somebody to say that. How can God move in church? Amen. Because wherever he moved from ceases to exist. Because God is omnipresent. Don't he say that? He's omnipresent. He's everywhere present all at the same. He's in the past, present, and future all at the same time. So if God, if there's a movement of God, you need to understand who you are. It's not that God moved, it's that God rose in you. And you had another dimension in God that you've never experienced before. And when you connect your experience with your neighbor's experience, the Shekinah of God resonates and you start believing that God is moving, but God is not moving, he's rising. Look at your neighbor say, my God rises. My God rises, he ain't moving. God is rising. Amen. Oh my goodness. So he says the thing. That have been, 
It is that which shall be. Now let's see, what could that possibly be? The thing that hath been. Now he's not talking from a carnal or natural position. Solomon is speaking from a spiritual, spirit world position. So what had been? Oh, our relationship with him in the garden. Let me go on. And it says, and that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under, it is no new thing under the sun. So this generation died. And they had the same demon troubles. We had people fighting alcohol, people fighting drugs, uh, sexual fornicality, all kinds of things going on. That generation gone. Did they win? Did they lose? I don't know. But now your generation is in it. And now what you got? Sexual fornicality. You got people fighting drugs. You got people going through the same thing. That's why the Bible says seeing that. We are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Why? Because they went through what you went through. They went through what you going through. You got folk cheering you on in the spirit realm saying, let me tell you something, honey. It ain't as bad as you think. I made it. You can make it too. Can I have a few more minutes? I'm almost done. Verse 10 says, is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new. Amen. Is there anything that you say, see, this is new? It had been already of old times, which was, what does it say? Before us. I'm going to read one more scripture. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 15. Amen. It says, that which hath been, what does it say? Is now. Come on now, I couldn't make all this up. That which hath been is now. And that which, and that which is to be Hath already been. And God requireth what? <laughs> God require what? God require that which is the past. Oh my God, y'all getting this. You guys are living in a season of time. And your season in time. Is going to be up at some point. Can I tell you what this word season means? It means appointment. Y'all write that down. The word season means appointment. But guess what else does it mean? Fixed time. Woo! You're living in a season. In time, honey. And let me tell you something. There is nothing. That you could do. There's nothing that you could accumulate that's worth your season in time. I wrote three books last year. I had no interest in class when I was in school. I haven't taken any formal writing. I haven't done any of that stuff. 
But I just started writing because there was the desire to get some thoughts on paper. And it turned into three books with a fourth one in route with three more already in me to write. I wrote a play last month. Who would have thought? I wouldn't have. And nobody that knew me would have. But I want to tell you that same thing is in you. The same exact thing. It's about your, your power. It's about your purpose. It's about your potential. You will never express what's in you until you get in God. The Bible says that God is a spirit. God is a spirit. And, and learning the Bible does not enter you into the spirit of God. It might, you might find yourself saved. But it's better to know God than to know Genesis the Revelation. Oh, I'm, I'm trying to talk to somebody in here. It's better to spend time in prayer than just res- doing recitals of the stories of the Bible. It's better to spend time in meditation with God. Read and then shut up and let him talk. You ever find out you talk too much? Amen. You're always telling God everything. And God already knows. You just out talk. God like, man, can I talk? You going to let me talk some? Praise God. That which will be. I'm going to end this in Revelations. Now remember we was talking about the original intent of God. We was talking about that which was. Is that which will be. Remember that? Okay, let's go to Revelations. Chapter. Where are we at? Chapter 21. And I want you to listen. I'm going to read these first, this first five verses. It says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there is no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, Coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I really want you to hear from here on. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Oh, my God. And he that sitteth upon the throne saith, Behold, I make all things new.
Hallelujah. I want you to bow your heads. I'm going to read one more scripture I need for you to hear. Bow your heads, everybody. Bow their heads in Mark chapter 17, verse 23. I'm saying Mark is Matthew. No, it should be John. Wait a minute. Hallelujah. Oh, John 17 to 23. Amen. I can only tell you what the Bible says. Listen at this. I in them, and thou in me. This is Jesus' prayer to the Father in the garden. He says, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. I'm talking about a season in time. There are those of you that are living right now outside of your potential, outside of your purpose, and with no power. And we have been led to believe that the worldly successes can blind us to the eternal uh, eternal judgments. There might be some in here today that say, you know what? I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm operating below my potential in my season. This is my season in time. This is the season that God left his Holy Spirit that it would indwell us, that it would empower us to do the work that he has set forth within us. And yet we're going about our existence as if it's my job. It's my bank account. It's my looks. It's, it's, um, it's my degrees. Or we're going on the opposite realm. It's because of the mother I had because of the father I had, because of what I didn't have in my life. Let me tell you something. Jesus never went to the palace to preach. He went to the highways and the hedges. Amen. And it doesn't matter where you start. All that matters is if you say yes. I want to open up this altar because I want to pray for each and every one of you that makes a decision today and says, you know what, Pastor? I can't live like this no longer. I know that you're telling me the truth. The Holy Spirit that spoke to me. You know what? It's year five for us, and this number five is the number of the Holy Spirit. I can't do whatever I do in my own natural abilities. I want to do them outside. See, I'm very careful who I lay my hands on because I know that God has called me to the office of a prophet. And I don't want to stir up gifts in people that's going to that's bring uh, a dishonor to the Lord. 
But I'm here today to tell you that if you're ready to bring honor to God and that you feel like there's so much more in you, you sense it, you don't know where it's coming from, you don't know why you feel that way, you're almost embarrassed about it because you you don't want people to think you feel like you're better than somebody. Honey, you're as good as God say you are. Amen. Don't mind people. Because they're going to stab you in your back. They're going to talk about you. They're going to disappoint you your whole life. Praise the Lord. But it's through the love of God that you love them anyhow and you go on. Can I get some soft music, please? I want you to come. Those that are bold enough to come, I want you to come. Don't look around. It's always the first ones that get the blessings. Because they're they're, they're the hungriest. Come on up. If you want to come now, I want to pray for you. Amen. Well, where the brave one at? One brave one leads to the rest of them. Peter got out the boat, 11 followed. Amen. Well, 11 didn't follow. Come on. You've been listening to Pastor Ron Nelson, our guest pastor here at Abundant Life Worship Center. Pastor Nelson is from Progressive Faith Ministries International, located in Sacramento, California. If you'd like more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. And on our site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you, both by myself and any of our visiting pastors. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.